You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Okay, my friends, welcome back to this adventure that we like to call the Foundations class. I want to welcome some new people checking us out. Try not to scare them away. So I'm uh, Krista Bontrager, and this is the Foundations class. I just wanted to introduce myself a little bit um, because... Some of you are new and you don't know us. I started coming to Grace Church in uh, around like 1972 or 73-ish and uh, grew up here with people like Laura Hartley and Jay Hartley and Wendy and Eddie Ginter, if you know them, and others. And it was a great run. We thoroughly enjo- I thoroughly enjoyed uh, my childhood here. I came here with my mother. And uh, if you know um, Joan and Bill Eastep, they were the ones that, helped uh, bring us here and invite us here. And I I guess you could say in modern terms, we became part of their oikos and they uh, invited us in. And uh, it's just been a super big blessing. And um, my husband and I are coming up on our 25th anniversary. We have two children. Uh, Our anniversary is going to be in uh, in December. And um, we're pretty excited because like, you know, there were a lot of moments there. We weren't sure we were going to make it. It's 25. And here we are. The Lord has so uh, blessed us in uh, healing our marriage. And that's just a whole other fascinating story. Um, so uh, in a past life, uh, I went to Biola. I was a film and television major in my undergrad years. That's how I met my husband. He was a film major too. And we got assigned to the dreaded group project together. And we were the only two who showed up for the group project. And we, it was a very small group. So we got to know each other very well because we had to make a film together. And uh, that was the start of a great uh, friendship and that eventually led to us dating and getting engaged. And uh, then after my undergrad, I went to Talbot. School of Theology. Uh, I had this great idea that I would like to become a woman theologian. I don't know what I was thinking with that. Um, And really in the beginning, I just kind of thought that I really wasn't very good at very much, but I was good at getting good grades. So I thought graduate school seems like a a sound idea. (laughs) And so I enrolled in a class on the theology of C.S. Lewis, and uh, that kind of hooked me and just stayed there, ended up going to Talbot for about nine years. And uh, when I was 27, uh, I was hired in the theology department at Biola, and I taught undergrad Bible classes at Biola for a few years before Emily was born. And I thought I would have this great career as a theologian, and I'd be like one of the first women to to get their PhD in theology. And that was like my big life goal. And then thankfully, the Lord knew better, and he sent Emily and she's the most beautiful interruption in my life. And uh, he knew, the Lord knew I wasn't uh, really ready for that. And I had some more growing to do. And I just am um, so blessed every day. And so then I, I went to uh, start working at uh, Reasons to Believe, which is my current place of employment. Um, we're a science faith ministry. So sometimes you'll hear me talk about my work there. And we're basically missionaries to uh, skeptics and atheists. That's sort of our people group, if you will. So we try to reach scientists with the gospel. And um, uh, the ministry's been around for about 30 years, and I've been there for 19 years. And it's been a great run. I I, uh, started there 
in uh, January of 99. So is that? Maybe that's like 18 years, something like that. And um, I started when I was about four months pregnant with Emily. And uh, so it's been a great run. I uh, work at Reasons to Believe as the, um, uh, the dean of, of education. Uh, Laura's my assistant. She's fabulous. She keeps me on track, makes sure I show up to all my meetings. <laughs> and uh, we uh, work in, I, I work also in uh, product development and uh, doing that sort of thing for the ministry. It's a great time. I also uh, have an outside ministry doing this class. I love being here every week. It's just an amazing privilege to walk with. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, it's an amazing privilege to be here each week and to be in life with so many of you. And uh, I also work in the realm of intercessory prayer ministry. I love to pray for addicts and uh, people who have mental illnesses and depression and anxiety and people who struggle in their lives. And so sometimes I'll share stories related to, to my prayer ministry, and that's a great, a great time of, uh, that I do kind of on the side. So that's sort of my life. And uh, this is my family. This was on the day that we left Emily at Biola a few weeks ago. This is like before we started crying. This was, so I'm glad we got this picture out of the way because after that it was pretty ugly. It was a lot of ugly crying. And I know, but, but just not having her at the house, you know, it's just been a change. And uh, if you want to know more about me or my teachings, you can uh, just Google me. I'm Theology Mom pretty much everywhere, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook. YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. So you can uh, check me out. I have a podcast uh, as well. Uh, this class has a website. So if you want to check out any uh, things that we've done, we're starting our third year together in our journey. So I have all of the classes archived on our class website. I always put it at the bottom of your, of your handout so you can look. And if you miss a week, you can get caught up there. And I also post a lot of extra resources there for everyone. So if you want to dig deeper, like you're just really interested in a particular topic, I'll post some additional videos or an article or even a book sometimes if people want to go deeper. There's, there's that. We have a Facebook page where I post announcements and things that sometimes I run out of time in class. You can go to our Facebook page. It's Foundations Bible Class. If you're on Facebook, if you're in Facebook land. We have a podcast. I post audio versions of all the lectures now. I started doing this in January. So if you miss a class or you just want to review something, you're on your commute, it's a great way to just catch up on things on both on uh, iTunes and on uh, Google Play. So if you have the dreaded Android phone, you can uh, get caught up there. So we're starting a series this fall. And, and really, I wanted to start everything off with just refocusing us on what this class is about, because we do have a few new people, and it's always good to review. And I think this morning, I think it's like the perfect tie-in of the Oikos strategy, right? Was, was that the, the sermon? Yeah. So this is really what I call our church's DNA, is the Oikos evangelism. And some people are jumping into this conversation midway, and so I just kind of want to get everybody quickly oriented to this. And so I'd love it if you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And if you hang out with me long enough, you'll hear me say that a lot. Oh, this is one of my favorite passages. But this truly is. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. And for me, this is kind of what this class is all about. Um, if I were to pick a key passage that's sort of like our, our flagship passage for this class, this is, this is what this is. I'm going to start in verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should not should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is such a, a powerful passage for me because I think it really describes um, what we're trying to do in this whole Oikos strategy. I, I have kind of highlighted a few words here. It says, it's a since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. I mean, isn't that really part of what the Oikos thing is about? Is about talking to people and really what's in your heart the longing you have is to persuade people. You want to invite them to come closer to the Lord. You want to persuade them that Jesus can be their savior. And this is part of what should be in our hearts when we're thinking about people in our oikos. And if we are out of our mind, as some say, for it is, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you, for Christ's love compels us. And think about that word love. We talk a lot about that in this class and we will continue to talk about what love looks like throughout the fall. Because I'm always saying uh, to my family, my friends, love must look like something. It can't just be a word. It has to look like something. And love is what compels us. Our judgments don't compel us. Judgments are not very compelling. Judgments bring us division from our unbelieving friends and family, right? Love compels us. So when we think about our oikos, we want to think about how are we loving them? And what does love begin to look like? And we're going to talk a lot about that this fall, is what does love look like in some very tangible ways. I'm going through a situation in my personal life right now where... Uh, I'm supporting a friend who's in a, a difficult marriage situation. So for me, sometimes loving that friend means I go over and I help her clean her house because she's living the single mom life and she's having a hard time. And that's what love looks like. One night, love looked like me schlepping a bunch of garbage out to her curb so that the city could come pick it up. And I was all sweaty. 
And then I had to come to church and be in public. And I'm like, this is fabulous. <laughs> Hopefully no one I know sees me. And, um, but that's what love looks like. Love must look like something when we show up for people. And so we're going to have a lot of meditations in this class about what does love begin to look like for people who are difficult to love. You have any difficult people in your oikos? And you're feeling, <laughs> hopefully it's not your wife. <laughs> Brent was really quick with that. Uh, <clears throat> but you ever have people that are very difficult to love and you think, I got, I got nothing. I have no idea what I'm up to with this person, right? They're, they're just divisive. They're angry. I disagree with them politically. I can't figure out how to love them. And so that's part of what we're going to be talking about. And then continuing in this, this wonderful passage, it says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. My hope is that through this class, if you haven't figured this out yet, is that I am trying to recruit you as deputies into ministry to help you begin to see that you are all ministers for the gospel. You are all ambassadors, as what Paul calls it here. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation. This is your calling. This is your identity. This is what you should be doing like Monday through Saturday is that you are a minister of reconciliation, bringing a message of reconciliation and that we are ambassadors. So that's really what this class is all about, is helping to equip you to be ambassadors in your life the other six days of the week, okay? I, I, one thing that my, uh, uh, my mother taught me, and she's going to be very embarrassed because she doesn't like me <laughs> calling attention to her. But one thing my mother taught me is that there's always people in your life that have a worse situation than you do. And she always taught me to think about what you can do to serve those people. And we might look at it this way. Is there's always somebody in our life who knows the Lord less than we do. And they, they are... There's a longing in them, even if they can't articulate it, that they want to come close to the Lord. But they're waiting for the ambassador to come along to show them that path. And that's what I hope that this class will be for you on some level. So that's kind of the big picture of what we're doing. When we think about the people in our lives, there's kind of two categories of people. I'm sorry this didn't show up very well on your, on your handout. But there's your 8 to 15 that Pastor John's always talking about, right? Those people that God has strategically and supernaturally put in your life. And if you don't have one of these cards, you can get one. I have hundreds. Um, you can update your Oikos card. It's good to update it every once in a while and to see who's on there and to begin to, to look at it. I keep mine right here in my Bible and I update it from time to time. And um, it's good to, to keep it up to date. So if you need a card, I have a card. But this is, these are kind of the people in your life that they were talking about this morning. Your oikos could be people from your work. It could be family members. It could be people in your hobbies. Uh, if you have a hobby, they could be people 
uh, it could be your kids, it can be your extended family members. Your oikos is pretty much anybody who you see as somebody that you want to be a minister to. For me, you know, that's in part my kids, is being a minister and bringing the Lord and inviting them into more of a relationship with the Lord. It might be you have an unbelieving sibling or parent um, that, you're, that you're wanting to be a minister to. It might be a coworker. And you can ask the Lord to bring those names to your mind of who he wants on your card. And you can see who the Lord has for you. And we often talk in the class about how really what we're doing is we're partnering with the Lord and what he's already doing in that person's life. We have to assume God's already up to something in that person's life. So then the question is, is how do I begin to cooperate with what the Lord is doing in that person's life? And that is a powerful concept because then we don't feel so alone in our persuasion. It's like, hey, I'm just kind of partnering with the Lord and what's already there. It's a totally different mindset than having it just be all about me. How do I get the most persuasive words? How do I make the best arguments? How do I do the best things? No, it's what is the Lord already doing in this person's life? How do we begin to partner with the Lord? This is the book 8 to 15 that is kind of the foundation of our church's DNA. If you want to read that book, just ask Donna Cooper. I'm sure she would gladly uh, give you one. It's a very short book. It's not a big commitment. You're not getting married. It's a very easy read, but it'll go into more detail of this. And so when we think about the Oikos strategy, here's just a few very, very light examples of this. My favorite is in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well, and then she goes back to her town in Samaria. And it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. This Samaritan woman was basically an evangelist to her village. And she's known in church history. Oh, her name escapes me right now. Um, what her traditional name is, but uh, she's known as being an, an evangelist to the Samaritans preceding Philip in the book of Acts in chapter 8, that she was already kind of paving the way for when Philip came to the Samaritans. And um, such a great story. Jesus also found many of his disciples through Oikos connections. Andrew brought Peter, James and his brother John. James brought his brother John. Philip went and found Nathaniel. And so this is a, this is a strategy of, uh, of connections and what we call today networking. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what Jesus's, um, part of Jesus's strategy is in the Great Commission. We have this tendency to think of missionaries as like people we send off far away, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're super focused. I've raised all this money. I know what I'm doing, right? But... My hope is that each of you will begin to think of yourselves as missionaries or ministers to the people that you encounter every day. And I always love it in class when we share stories about what that begins to look like. Um, so again, if you don't have a card, you can get a card from me. This is a slide that, uh, from, from the church. The, what you're doing with your card, you make a list, you keep it current, you pray every day. You um, invite them to church would be a... A, a step. I always like to add to that that uh, 
you engage them in conversation. You contact them. You, you, you know, I always encourage people, like, reach out to one person a week. You can send them a text message. You can give them a phone call. You can invite them to coffee. But be intentional. It, start to enter into their life with them um, to see what, what they're doing. Prepare to clearly display God's character and defend your faith. And that's a lot of what this class is about, is, the, is how, why do we believe what we believe? What is that? mean to be a Christian? What is that about? And in the process, by equipping ourselves to understand our own faith better, we can be more ready to engage our oikos and being accountable to have people in your life that you can share these oikos moments with. A great passage about defending your faith that um, I appreciate is 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, but in your hearts, Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Anger, judgment, and obnoxiousness. No. Right? Uh, Gentleness and respect and a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, you want your answers to be so kind. You want your way of being to be such an invitation to gentleness that they, even if they don't like your answers, they can't deny your kindness. And so it, what, I always ask people, like, what are you inviting people to? Like, what kind of party are, are you? Are, are you inviting people to a party of, Anger, frustration, agitation, judgment? Or are you inviting people to a party of gentleness, kindness, joy, peace? What kind of party are you? Because, you you know, showing up to an angry party, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, right? A party of judgment, that's not a good time. But if if I'm with someone and, man, they're always joyful. Man, they're, they're filled with peace that I can't understand. That might be a party that they would be interested in coming back to. And uh, so I always ask people, what kind of invitation are you? How are you showing up? So that's kind of the first bucket of people, is those 8 to 15. The second is we've had recently the um, sermons about divine opportunities. Did you guys enjoy that sermon series from a couple months ago? I thoroughly enjoyed that. So divine opportunities are random people. Right? I call them Holy Spirit drive-bys. They're, they're just moments where you encounter somebody and you're in the moment and you're planting a seed. Random people that you encounter who need answers or they need prayer or sometimes both. They need love. These are uh, beautiful moments of divine opportunities. And um, I had one of those this week, so I'll just share that with you. Um, I was... Uh, in a store here in Upland, I was over in Dress Barn in uh, San Dimas, and I was getting some new clothes. Yes. And, uh, oh, thank yes. you. And so I, uh, <laughs> what? Well, that's a good store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm over in Dress Barn for a couple of hours. And the, the clerk was, was very uh, patient with me. And uh, so we're checking out, and she's ringing me up, and she sees um, on my purse... This is just goes to show you how like a little thing can lead to a divine opportunity. She sees on my purse this button of, of my daughter, Emily. And she says to me, um, 
oh, is that your baby girl? And I said, yeah. I said, we just moved her to college a couple of weeks ago. And immediately I just sensed the Lord telling me like, yeah, keep going with that. You know, keep, keep that conversation flowing. And I said, oh, do you have any children? And she says, yeah, I have an 18-month-old girl. And I said, so how's that going for you? And she says, oh, it's so stressful. And I said, you know, that's interesting. I said, yeah, I, I'm at an age now where I think if I, if I could do it all over again, I would appreciate it so much more now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm too old, you know. But uh, I said, if I had it to do over again, I would just enjoy every season as it is. And I would, I would just enjoy, you know, whatever the chaos is of the 18 months and then enjoy the three-year-old. I enjoyed it when my kids were three. And then enjoy, you know, every season as it is. And she says, wow, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, you know, my, my church has this concept of, uh, of giving parents, new parents, this jar of marbles. And there's one marble in there that represents every week that... Uh, from birth through high school graduation. And that's kind of a countdown. It's a visual depiction of how much time you have with your kid. And so maybe start thinking about what conversations you want to have with your kid. Like, what do you want them to know? And, and what do you want them to, what experiences do you want them to have? And she's like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit's just like, yeah, keep going. Keep going. And so... Um, the, I said, you know, in the book of Psalms, in, in the Bible, it talks about how all of our days are written in a book in heaven. And all of your child's days are written in a book in heaven. And I said, you know, I just wonder what those days are that God has for you and your child together. And, and I said, you know, um, it says in that same Psalm, it says to teach us to number our days. And so having that visual depiction of, you know, that countdown, it really should help us be intentional and, and just to enjoy every phase as it comes and exploring what God has for you and your child in that phase. I'm thinking, I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know if she thinks I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs right now, you know. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about when, the, when I say, like, you know, kind of be sensitive to what the Lord's doing. She was really open. She's like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. She says, this is this is really helping me. And this is, yeah, she's like, this is really encouraging me. It's giving me a different way of thinking about this. And then we just kind of wrapped up the conversation, and then I was on my way. But that is an example of a Holy Spirit drive-by. You know, it's a divine opportunity. Now, she could have just commented about my button, and I could have moved on with my life, right? But to know in that moment of like, oh, maybe this, the Lord has something for her. I don't know what the Lord's doing in her life. I have no idea. I don't know this woman from anybody. But in that moment, it seemed like I think the Lord has something for her. And so be sensitive to those moments. Um, my friend Laura Hartley was, has become a master at this. She sells a lot of things on um, the Moms of Glendora website. She's always selling things. I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's the benefit of selling something, a book for $2? I, I, it's not worth my time. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that. I'm a, I'm a very busy woman. I don't have time to sell things for $2. But Laura would love to meet up with people 
And somehow she had this way of getting people in a conversation. She ended up praying for strangers all the time. And it was kind of just a, her way of doing it. And so whatever that is for you, to start having some supernatural eyes, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, to ha- have the eyes of your heart be opened to what God is doing in other people's lives and then getting in a conversation with him about what that can look like. So my vision um, in this class is that we will raise up a team of ambassadors based on 2 Corinthians 5. Team of ambassadors made up of everyday people to display the works and words of Jesus in the East San Gabriel Valley from Wall Street to Walmart. That that's what Grace Church would be known as. That we are a people who invite people to draw near to the Lord. And that we have taken some steps of intentionality on how to do that. So my goals when I prepare a lesson each week is to equip you to formulate thoughtful and engaging responses to the important questions of our culture and encourage you to incorporate faith conversations into your everyday life and relationships. That's really what we're up to in this class. And for those of you who have been on this journey with me, is that kind of a good summary of what we do in here? Yeah. So it's this this blending of information and inspiration. At least that's what I'm intending to do. And so the way that we do this is through teaching. Often we'll play short video examples. We discuss things and then there's some homework. You can do the homework, not, not do it. Nobody's checking you. There's no grades. But sometimes I do like to challenge people to go a little bit deeper and to try some new things. And if you want to know more, maybe you want more training, maybe you're intrigued and you, you want more information, there's a great online class that I've developed called Everyday Evangelism. It's free. Um, I've got some, I always put these over on the table by the door and it'll give you the website where you can go and you can get this free course. It's a course I taught last year here at the church and it's just basically some really practical how-to uh, engage with your oikos. So you can go uh, check that out. And um, also, my husband, Mr. Wonderful, uh, <laughs> loves to uh, do Holy Spirit drive-bys. I mean, that's like his deal. And um, so if you something in you wants to learn more and you want to learn how to approach people or learning how to talk to people more in kind of those random divine opportunity types of situations, Bob would be up for taking you out. Why don't you come share a story from what you did on Wednesday? You're right on the spot. (laughs) This is what it's like to be married to me. You went to the mall. Share your mall story. So, uh, yeah, um, there's a guy here at church. uh, His name... uh, Jack, I don't even know what his last name is, but anyways, he has a real heart for evangelism, and so he wanted to go out and witness the people and everything, so I said, well, yeah, let's go out uh, Thursday and everything. Wednesday. No, it's Thursday. Oh, okay. It's Thursday. I was there. All right, good. (laughs) (laughs) I was probably at work. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so yeah, so we went to the mall, and uh, yeah, it's just something I've just kind of grown into, and, and, you know, I... I mean, it's just amazing that I'm even doing this. Cause Are I, you an extrovert? I'm, I'm, I'm just a strong <laughs> introvert, and so I just wouldn't be able to do anything like this. But it, the Lord has just kind of just 
I don't put this on my heart to go out. And so basically we just go across the mall and we see people and we say, hi, we're Christians. Do you have anything we could pray for? And we're basically just going to the mode of how can we love people? And uh, so some people say, yeah, I have this situation. We would pray for them. Um, and then we just see where that would lead to. Sometimes they just want the prayer and then, then that's it. Other times, uh, you know, it leads to other things. And we uh, saw these, this group of teenage boys in the corner, and I just had a sense of, like, go over there and go talk to them. And so I was like, okay. So we went over there and talked to them and uh, ended up, uh, you know, sharing the gospel with them. And they were just really interested in hearing about that. Um, one kid had pain in his knee. And so we prayed over his knee and just had surgery, and he was able to get some relief for that. So yeah. that was uh, pretty amazing. He was, he was stunned, like, wow, it's, I can move my knee a lot freer now and, and everything. So, so, yeah, you just never know what you're going to kind of come across yeah. uh, when you just kind of put yourself out there. So, yeah. so, yeah, if any of you are interested and want to try that, um, you know, I'm open invitation to anybody. Yeah. And uh, don't feel like you have to. You know, I'd be doing a lot of the, the talking, just showing how I do things. So, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank okay. you. Okay. All right. Great. You're awesome. <laughs> so, and again, this is just, you know, people, different people have different giftings. I am not up, I am not into like approaching people in the mall. <laughs> that is not what I'm up to. But I have learned the value of what Bob does because then if somebody comes to me or there's an open door, then I kind of know more about how to step into that. So, you know, there's different gifts for different, different people. And so, you know, I always want to allow space for what Bob likes to do, even though I said, that's great. You have a friend. Be blessed. I'm not going. But that's okay, because I have different things that I do. He wouldn't want to stand up here every week and, and, and talk. Or, and so, you know, we, that's what the body of Christ is all about, right? So if there's something in you that uh, is curious about that, you know, feel free to, to talk to Bob and he'll take you out. So we're going to do a quick introduction here to our fall series. And I've entitled this Christian Values in Changing Times. Do you know that we're living in changing times? Yeah. Is, is it a little scary sometimes? You feel like the world feels a little bit out of control, right? More than a little. More than a little. And we got all these natural disasters happening. We've got cultural upheaval. We've got a lot of division. And here, here's my thought about that is that there's a lot of controversial conversations that our culture is having. If the church doesn't have something to say, then we're not relevant. You know, if Christ can't speak prophetically into the difficulties in our culture, we might as well just go home. And we need to, as Christians, I think, at least be conversant about certain issues in, that our culture is talking about and to think about these things from a Christian point of view. So we're going to play just kind of a video of uh, our fall teaching series. It's just me talking about it. But since we put so much effort into this video, I thought, I'm just going to play the video in class. <laughs> Hey, Grace family, I'm Krista Bontrager, and I am the teacher for the Foundations class. We meet on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. downstairs right here in Building B. 
and the Foundations class is all about equipping you to engage your Oikos. I want to help train you to be more effective as you try to share the Lord with your 8 to 15 people that God has strategically and supernaturally placed in your life. We talk a lot about the Bible and we talk a lot about very practical topics. And I want to give you a sneak peek right now on what conversations we're going to be having this fall in the class. Our theme is going to be Christian values in changing times. It's no secret we live in very difficult days. There's a lot of division in our culture. So the big question we want to think about is how can we stay on mission and reach out to our Oikos without getting distracted by all of the politics? How can we begin to answer the tough questions that our unbelieving friends and family members are asking us about our faith? And how can we as Christian parents help our children navigate living in a world of same-sex marriage, Snapchat, Black Lives Matter, and evolution? I want to invite you to come check out the Foundations class. Again, we meet on Sunday mornings at 11. So hit the 9 a.m. service, linger a bit on the plaza, and then join us at 11 to get equipped to engage your Oikos and your kids in culturally relevant conversations. And high school students, you are welcome to come too, especially if you like to ask the tougher, deeper questions about your faith. Maybe you're a little bit more analytical. This is a great class to help you dive deeper into your faith. So whether you've been a Christian for 20 days or 20 years, this is the class that's gonna help give you the tools that you need to experience new levels of growth in your walk with God and release your God-given potential to make a difference in the lives of others. See you there. Yay, so now, all, all Bob's hard work on that, I just wanted to share that. So, so we are a culture trying to figure out how to deal with very complicated questions. Do you, do you think that's true? Yeah. There's a lot of complicated things happening in our culture. And I think that a lot of Christians are really honestly struggling to figure out how to keep up with these conversations. And, and we, we are so um, conditioned by our feelings. How does this make me feel? And we make a lot of decisions based on our feelings. And I'm hoping that what we can do is look at some of these, these discussions and move beyond our feelings and into more and more scripture and then helping to build a bridge with people. Our tendency, I think, is to focus on the politics first. Our tendency is to line up according to whether you're a conservative or a liberal. You know, where are you? Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? You know, what issues do liberals tend to support? We can think of what those are. What issues do conservatives tend to support? And then we line up. Where do you fall, right? And even among Christians, we do this. And we make a lot of judgments about each other where each of us falls. If you're not in the right group, you know, the right group, yeah. then we have judgments about each other, right? I thought it was interesting. Christianity Today, uh, I don't know if I have a mole there or what, but they seem to frequently publish things related to a topic that I'm teaching on uh, uh, the, the next week. And they had a big study this week that they had um, published. And I thought this was an interesting t statistic. 
Um, how white evangelicals politically identify, 49% Republican, 31% independent, and 14% Democrats. And so our tendency is to focus on the politics first, as, even as Christians. But I thought this was an, also an interesting statistic, that one in three evangelicals is a person of color, is black, Hispanic, Asian, or mixed race, or other. And so even the face of the churches, of the American church is changing. And I think that we need to get a vision of something beyond the politics. Because I don't think politics can really rescue our culture. I don't think that that's going to be the ultimate answer. Um, and I'm really left wondering, as I've, I've actually recently stopped watching the news. And my soul has actually gotten healthier since I started doing that. Because I was just noticing like all these upset feelings all the time watching the news. And the Lord was bringing it to my attention like, hey, you know, you're kind of volunteering for this. But it's so divisive. I had to unhook a lot of sites on my Twitter account. I unhooked all the news sites on my Facebook account. I just unhooked from everything about six weeks ago. And I've noticed that I'm a lot less stressed and I'm a lot happier. And I just thought, you know, Lord, I love to be a well-informed person on events, but this is insanity. And this is something else posing as being informed. But really what it does is it's trying to invoke my emotions all the time. And, and so I'm really left wondering, is this really... You know, sometimes the, the, the alignment is like we have Christians over here and you have political correctness over here. That's sometimes the alignment. Sometimes it's conservative versus liberal. I want to try to help us build a worldview that's bigger than all of that. That is bigger than politics. Because really, as Christians, we have two homes, don't we? Our citizenship, our primary citizenship is in heaven. Right? And so we, we ought to think of ourselves as Christians first, not as Americans first, not as a Republican or a Democrat first. We ought to think of ourselves as Christians first. And then how does that begin to shape and form my views on various, various issues? So that's really what I want to try to explore this fall. So some of the the critical questions that I want us to consider is what should the Christian life look like? Like, what does that really look like? What does love look like? What does being a Christ follower look like? What behaviors should we have as Christ followers? How does that make us look different than everybody else? How should it? I don't think that Christians are real clear about this on a lot of issues. Um, how should we be different than those around us? What values should we teach our children? You know, there's this phraseology that we have, family values. I don't even know what that means. I honestly don't know what that means. And I want to help build a picture that is bigger than politics and something 
that is rooted and grounded in what it means to be a historic Christian. Something that is very ancient. You ever hear the, the phrase, you know, there's nothing new under the sun? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's that much that's new. I think these are like old problems recycled. And if we can get some, some thoughts about ancient wisdom, maybe that will help us get out of some of this insanity of the, the cultural upheaval. And we can learn how to live in the midst of it. That's the hope. And so my hope is that maybe we can do something to break out of our 21st century American like tininess and begin to get a bigger picture of what it means to be a Christian from a global perspective. And um, how can we help our children interpret the world that we see around, that they see around them at school and on the news? This, and for those of you who don't have kids, it's your grandkids, is how can you begin to help them think about the world? I mean, I think about the homeless people that stand at the freeway off-ramp, like, every day. And it's a cycle of people. And I think about that, and I think, okay, my kids see that. Like, how do they interpret that? If I never talk to them about that, what lens are they going to use to interpret that situation and how that person arrived on that corner and how me as a Christ follower that they're watching and modeling, how do, how do I react to that? And what am I teaching them? And what should I be teaching them? How do I help them think about things like gay marriage? How do I help them think about a world where there is so much division and it's complicated. The world is a, has become a very complicated place. And so I think that so much of parenting happens in intentional conversations. And you have to really kind of know what you want to be up to in the conversation and lead the child down a path. And that's true in your oikos too. You know, whoever you're talking to, it's a lot of intentionality. And I think that the Christian worldview has quite a lot to say about issues like human rights, child trafficking, LGBT equality, racial discord, animal rights, helping the poor, and many other social justice type issues that are very controversial. And so the hope here, though, is not just to talk about controversy for the sake of controversy. It's to equip us so that we can talk to our kids, talk to our grandkids, talk to our oikos, and begin to build bridges with these people. Because we really want them to come near to the Lord. But if we're afraid to talk about controversial issues, they're going to think, your faith is irrelevant. Why do I want to know about your faith? It's not relevant to what's happening in the world around us. And so we have to be willing on some level, I think, to engage in these more controversial discussions. So that's kind of the vision of the class and for the fall. Hopefully that um, excites you. Uh, Next week, I am going to be in Texas visiting the Hartleys, but I've already recorded the message for next week. And it's going to be on the question, are humans more valuable than animals? So it's going to be on animal rights. 
and kind of the rise of that conversation in our culture. But that, that'll kind of be the first conversation that we're having. So I'm hoping that'll excite you and get you to come back because the issue of animal rights in our culture has become a big conversation. I mean, if you know someone who's a... I love bacon. Yeah. <laughs> and if you know someone in your Oikos is a vegetarian or a vegan and they got strong opinions about it, you know, that, that, that can be difficult sometimes. So we're going to talk about these issues next week. And uh, then if you have more questions, we can pick that up the following week and move forward. So do you have any questions for me? We have a few minutes left. Yeah? Okay. All right, let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for um, what you're going to do in our class and how you will be meeting us. Lord, we pray and we ask that this week you would help us to have supernatural eyes to begin to see people in our oikos, not just as passive people, names on my card, but to begin to have a real vision for what you want to do in these people's lives and how we can begin partnering with you. Give us supernatural glasses to begin to see people in our lives the way that you see them. Not in their brokenness, not in their difficulty, not in their breakdown, but to see them as you see them, as your children, as people who need to hear about your son, Jesus, and all the freedom and forgiveness that is available to him. Help us to see people to see beyond their problems, to be, see beyond their anger, to see beyond their present circumstances, but to see them in their potential inheritance in you. We thank you, Father, that we are seated with you in heavenly places, even now. And we ask that you would glorify your name through us, and that we would begin to see ourselves the way that you see us, as glorified in heaven, and that we may live up to that high calling. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen.